2: It's not about me. I'm only here for a minute,
0: and I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to our Lads of Power. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. Mark, hello. Well,
1: we're not really with each other. It's been a long time since we've been with anybody.
0: Yes, Mark. Is this is this how you're going to treat this whole conversation?
1: Uh, <laughs> I was going to well-actually the entire time. 40 minutes of me well-actuallying you. would be just like sitting next to me in a press box.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know when we'll actually see each other again. We could... Uh, we could do a Zoom conversation. Are, are you still growing a beard? What, what's this? Thing?
1: Oh my god, it's out of control.
0: Is it? It's like Rapunzel. And my
1: my daughters will not let me shave it. It's crazy. <laughs> I never. I've never gone more than like six weeks. I, I think I'm on like three months now because I was growing one anyway when this all happened. Right. But usually I kind of get bored with it quickly. But then my daughters convinced me just let it go. You're not going to see anybody. Nobody's going to see you. You're not going to be on TV. So I think I'm at three months now, and it's uh, it's, it's uh-huh. I'm shaggy. Let's just say I'm shaggy.
0: Sandy Laz. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I realized last week we had the Larmer thing, which uh, which was really interesting. I'm glad we did, but I, I realized we didn't talk about Ian Mitchell stuff either. That's um, true. Actually, it was one of the few times we actually had news to, to talk about, it and we uh, <laughs> didn't get a chance to. I uh, I, I was thinking about the other day is that I know a lot of people were really skeptical about whether Ian Mitchell was going to sign, in. and I feel like Stan Bowman takes a lot of criticism obviously but they got this done and they've often got these done and I think the whole Kevin Hayes situation put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and maybe a little skeptical and Hayes was his own unique situation because uh the Blackhawks and Hayes both agreed that he should go back for his senior year because he wasn't at that point uh amazing prospect at Boston College and uh you know Hayes sort of ended up stabbing him in the back and the Blackhawks in the back a little bit in the end where he ended up having a really good season and then um you know did what he saw best and had that opportunity to go a ufa route but um yeah i don't know i just i, I thought you know mitchell the blackhawks got this one done you know i i think uh, you know i kept on reading more and more on twitter and and uh in the story comments about how people were skeptical and how this wasn't going to be done and you know just uh, people taking shots at bowman and um and and ultimately they signed their number one pro- unsigned prospect you know like this was uh uh, it was a big deal getting that done, and, and, I, and I do think depending on, you know, I guess how Zebra comes back and who they, how the defense shakes out this offseason, but I think he'll be given at least a shot to make the team out of camp.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty exciting right now. If you, if you look at this objectively, you take off your pessimistic Blackhawks blinders that everybody seems to have on these days, which I get it, but if you look at the defense right now, you've got Boquist, who had an impressive first season, but much better defensively than I think any of us expected. You've got Mitchell now coming in. Uh, Lucas Carlson was a revelation. I know he didn't play a ton, but I was really impressed by him. He is in that conversation now as a long-term option, potentially. Nick Bodan got a taste of it, you know, right before the bottom fell out of the league. Uh, And you look at, you know, Duncan Keith still got a few good years left in him. Uh, and Calvin DeHaan, if he can come back from that shoulder surgery, he was playing like a number one defenseman when he got hurt. There's a lot to like right now about the Blackhawks defense, and you really only need—I mean, granted, there's a lot of people in their way, and you got to worry about Oli Mada. What do you do with you know some of these guys, Brent Seabrook, that are kind of blocking these guys' path? But you need—if—if if two of these guys turn into really good, of these four prospects turn into really good defensemen, that's great. If three of them turn into good ones, you—you you could you have a potential powerhouse back end for years to come I mean you know we kind of mocked almost the Blackhawks for trying so hard to draft defensive prospects only for years that it kind of left the cupboard dry in the forward position but it's paying off all these guys seem to be panning out and Yuki Haru you know we could talk about that another time but that was another yeah. one that was in that mix
0: you know it's interesting a story that I have running next week is about uh, uh about tracking the Rockford Ice Hacks, actually and, you actually know, I, I partnered up with Corey, um, you know, who does a lot of the tracking and the the shutdown line. And he's got his Twitter account that, uh, you know, that he, anyways, it's called shutdown line. And and he's done stuff for us with the athletic before, but, uh, you know, I I paid him to do some um, ice hogs games and and I wrote a story around the data and stuff. And it was kind of interesting to look at, uh, you know, how Carlson played. And, um, you know, I went, I watched all three games that he tracked just to kind of give an eye test too. And um, it's interesting because Bo really it was when he was called up. He was sort of a third pairing defenseman. So I don't know how much of him being recalled at 20, that point was actually out of merit. More of like, let's bring another first round pick up and give him a look. And um, I, I think it kind of fed the narrative a little bit. But Carlson had played really well in those games. And I and I you know I think Alec Regula, who they acquired uh, for yep. Perlini, had a really good season in London. And he actually has some size. And um, you know they're hopeful for him. And you know Alex Velasik probably needs some time at at, at BU. But um, you know, having you know, devoted a second-round pick and another big defenseman. I think they're trying to balance a little bit of uh, you know between Baudin, Boquis, and Mitchell, and having some size too. And um, and obviously DeHan and, and and depending on Mata if they buy him out or not. But th- those guys are all you know have some term left too, along with Keith and Seabrook. So um, you know, yeah, I, I I agree. I I think in some ways that you know it, it's it's still I don't know if it. Like you still, some of those guys still need time, right? Like it's just, it's can they balance oh, yeah. balance having? I guess it depends on how the the comes back and how that situation plays out. But yeah, like you said, I mean, down the line, I mean, there there could be something there.
1: I mean, you look back on those teams that you know won the cup in 2010 and in 2013, 2015. You had four legitimate, very good to great defensemen. I mean, when you had Keith Seabrook, Jelmerson, and Oduya. In 2013 and 2015, I mean, hell, that's all you had in 2015 and you won a cup. In 2013, they had that. You know, they also had Nick Letty, uh, who's turned into a good player uh, with the Islanders. In 2010, they had Dustin Bufflin kind of rotating between forward and defenseman. I mean, they've always... You know, we always talk about you got to have a number one center. We got to have a number one center, a number one goalie, and a number one defenseman. That goes without saying. But you need more than just a number one defenseman, as we've seen the last few years with the Blackhawks. You need depth. You need to be able to spread those minutes. You need a shutdown pairing. You need a puck moving pairing. You need, you know, the go for broke pairing at the end of a game when you're down by a goal. And with all these guys they have coming in, they play different styles of games. You know, again, if a few of them do pan out... You're going to be set for a very long time on the back end, and now you can go back to restocking the forward supply, which has been pretty thin the last couple of years because they haven't drafted any of them until the Kirby talk.
0: I think what they need to figure out is partly how you can reduce Keats minutes because it became it's so necessary for him to, to still play. I mean, toward the end of the season, he was playing 25 plus minutes again. Where. How do you, and, and i imagine dehans part of that key because you saw when keith went down that DeHaan started getting some some of those minutes and certainly Murphy had you know a larger role the last couple of years but figuring out a way to as he even gets closer to that 40 age how you can how you can just reduce it just uh yeah you know whether it's uh, power play you know i think that, you know we've taken him out with the power play a little bit and uh you know on the peak air, where what where, where different areas you can do it but just the so that the workload is not so large and you're not leaning on him the same amount when he was at, you know, 26 years old. It's, uh, you know, I I know that he's a bit of a freak of an athlete and, uh, you know, has that huge lung capacity and and in a lot of ways that he can still play those minutes, but, um, it's, it's unrealistic for him to play 26, 27 minutes and still be at the, you know, that top level as he, as he's been in the past.
1: Yeah. You got to get him off the power play. They did it briefly last year when you had Gustafson and Boquist running the two power play units. Uh, and that's ideal because, I mean, Keith isn't that good on the power play anymore. His shot doesn't really make it through or or, or he misses the net. He's still got that great slap pass and that we saw Boak was kind of uh, cribbing later in the year. But ideally, you don't have him on the power play. He's still good on the penalty kill and obviously you need him to log a lot of five-on-five. Uh, five. It's like with Jonathan Taves. Ideally, you wouldn't have Jonathan Taves on the penalty kill, but the problem is he's still your best penalty killer. He's great yeah. on the penalty kill. At well, some the point, re- he's a really burden on these guys
0: the only one winning face-offs, too, at this point. You know, like, that's right. part of it, too. It's like you need the guy who's going to be in the defensive zone, whether it's 5-on-5 five five or PK that's going to win you that face-off. And, uh, yeah, they're just the, – the dependability hasn't really been there in those lot of those guys. It's going
1: to be like those uh, Michael Hanzo's plays in the 2013 playoffs where he would take the face-off and then just immediately leave the ice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. For whatever reason, I got uh, went down a rabbit hole of looking at ice times from 2015 and, and in that final just – and I think the last game it was, uh, you know, it was the four defensemen, and then the other two were uh, uh, TVR and, uh, and teaming in and, and it was like one was at like five minutes, the other one was at three. And it was just how much they were going to ride those four that even, you know, like when Roosevelt got well, hurt. D- and but Don't forget,
1: th- David Runblad and Kyle Kaminsky are on the Cup too because of that Stanley Cup final. Yeah, God. <laughs> it's a, uh, I, I, I always say, I mean, we're gonna I, we keep talking about this. We're going to do a story soon on, you know which which of the three teams that the won the cup were would win kind of a round robin tournament. But for me, that 2015 team, no matter what you say about them, was the most impressive. They had no business winning the Stanley Cup that year. That wow. was such a long, miserable, horrible year off the ice on the ice. Nobody seemed happy in that room. Nobody was having fun in that room. You lost. You're playing four defensemen, triple overtime games, like forty minutes a night. It's insane. That 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 is that that Stanley Cup is just sheer willpower from the core. That screw it, we're just gonna do it, uh, even though we have no business winning that cup. That was I, I still can't believe they won the cup that year.
0: We should give Roman a call and just ask him what his real thoughts were being scratched during that playoffs. Like, you know, like he, you know, like he came here to win the cup, and it just him and and both sitting and like, what the fuck's going on? You know.
1: It's funny because it worked. And, you know, it worked the same way with, you know, Colleton's done that a few times this year where he's benched a guy. And they we're like, wait, really? You're benching Kubelik? And then he comes back the next game and scores. It's like, well, all right, yeah, I guess it worked, but you still shouldn't have done that. You know, Vermette got scratched, and then he had, like, I think it was like three game-winning goals in the
0: next four games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it was the game where Vermette and Terrell Viner were scratched, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think That was the Anaheim series, right? Which is which is, is either Anaheim or Nashville. I, know that, I, thought, I think it was I think, Nashville.
0: Ah, that whole natural series was messed up, huh?
1: Well, yeah. They actually, uh, they had that game on the other day on NBCSN or something like that, where they, you know, were down three nothing in the first period, and then it was tied three three in the second period. Scott Darling came in, made that amazing relief performance, and man, we saw some crazy ass games over the years, man.
0: Yeah, we did. Um and, and, you know, Mitchell Mitchell and Carlson, two guys are. I think they can help on that power play too, maybe step in and, you know, Bocas is the one, and those other guys are 2A and 2B and sort of thing. So I think there's some guys there that can that fit that role. But That's the ideal um,
1: scenario. If you mean, if Ryan Carpenter can get his face sauce back up, he, you know, he was obviously very good on the PK last year, but if he could really take over from Taves and just ease that. I, I know Taves wants to be out there. He wants to play as much as possible, but you need to ease the burden on these guys as they get deeper into their 30s. Except for yeah. Kane, he could just play forever.
0: Um, other news I heard again today: the Blackhawks are still deciding on Shalunov, so I guess it's the balls on their court of whether <laughs> they, they want him or not. He's certainly interested. Um, Does,
1: uh, let me ask you something: Does Max Shalunov really exist, or is this like all a Sid Finch that you've been putting on?
0: <laughs> I, I've taken pictures, so I've I've met him twice, and I the, the greatest the greatest thing ever was that uh, that Hosa trip because I had I was coming. Uh, I had a friend in, in Bratislava that I was going to meet up and he's like, Oh, there's a KHL game going on. And it happened to be uh Seska. And so we, <laughs> and I just, I emailed the PR guy. I'm like, can I talk to Shalunov? And he's like, "Ah, oh, we'll see. We'll see. And then I ended up getting the interview and I'm sure he's like, why the fuck are you here again? But I, <laughs> I, I I'd seen him in, uh, I, I saw him in what, the Netherlands for, uh, at the world's right at the world's. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've seen him play in person a few times, uh, I um yeah so.
1: What if you're the reason he he's afraid to sign that he doesn't want to have to deal with you on a well this one
0: he wants to sign he's he's banking on the one year I think he's banking on playing in the NHL one year and then kind of seeing where it goes but I, I the Blackhawks you know if you bring him over you're giving him a shot at the NHL because um, he's probably not going to go to Rockford and he probably has some kind of European clause where he'll go back to Russia or, or go back to a different country and play. Um, so, I, I think the Blackhawks are deciding now whether they want to, you know, one of their 50, 50 contracts goes to him. Are they going to have a spot for him? Is it worth dealing with all this? I, I think, um, you know, they haven't told him no, so they're still deciding. Um, at this point, I, I think there's no risk to it. Why not bring him in? If Shaw can't play, all of a sudden there's a six he's got a bit of a shot, can be that net front. Maybe, maybe it doesn't work out, and then you just say, we're sending you to the Rockford, and he's like, well, peace, and um yeah so, uh, well,
1: where's the harm in that that's what i don't understand it's philip holm who cares
0: yeah it's an entry-level contract and yeah i don't know at this point um yeah i yeah i, I and everyone says that i'm sort of gonna be heartbroken i'm not i just i think this is so interesting <laughs> that this is like it's this like this loophole in the nhl that's i think is amazing And i've been tied to it for five years now whatever it is but the fact that you can hold someone's rights like if he doesn't sign the blackhawks can hold his nhl rights until he dies and i guess in
1: perpetuity
0: yeah like yeah he can he can be 90 years old on his gravestone can say blackhawks prospect and you know and i can call him a blackhawks prospect (laughs) for that long because there's always that possibility he'll sign like it's just it's this crazy thing like I, i forgot who was talking the other day about um I think it was maybe Dom from Cap Friendly, but he had mentioned like how some team has like a forty-year-old in their in their um, on the reserve list because he's still a KHL guy. Like <laughs> as long as you keep on your like you can keep these guys forever. And the fact that someone kind of almost panned out, like he he was a late bloomer, and all of a sudden you know Blackhawks and probably everyone wrote him off, but the Blackhawks kept him on the reserve list, and then all of a sudden he he began to flourish and was one of you know one of the top players in the KHL when he started playing for Russia nationally and. Um, yeah, it just—it's this weird thing. How are you? This guy disappeared and then he showed up on the map. So I've been, um, yeah. And then plus, it's, I, I don't know. I it just—it's the idea that he could sign. Like it's just—it's—it's it's intriguing. Maybe he doesn't. Whatever. But it's—I—I'm certainly hooked on it. And. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's led to some readership and I'm, I'm sure some annoyances, but I uh, yeah I'm fascinated. So if if no one cares about off in the end, it's whatever. But I am uh, I'm entertaining myself, and that's you're pot committed bad. at this point. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> uh, the the one thing that we didn't talk about last weekend was which was going to be the main topic of our last podcast was going to be our survey and. And obviously, that got right. bumped with the Steve Lamar too. But um, so I, I, I thought we'd uh, dig a little bit into that and some of the results and some of your th- I know we wrote about it too, so it's maybe a little bit overkill. But um. yeah, but
1: nobody read that story, so the, the listeners will, will, will not have read that story. Based on the story metrics, I think we're okay to talk about it.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know how you want to go about this. Uh, let's just like, you can find
1: the interesting ones. I mean, I mean, right off the bat, we asked just the simplest question: Are the Blackhawks on the right track? Your standard, you know, gallop. Political poll is the country on the right track, and uh, it's a it, it, it's a big no. It was uh out of the two thousand and fifty eight people eventually 60, voted 40 on it. about. It was sixty two to thirty eight, yeah, which is pretty sizable because it's interesting because you know I, I I I sit there and I went through like five hundred comments, and it felt like the comments were more even than maybe the results were. Like most people were just saying fuck it, everything's awful. But the people that, like, almost it's almost like people had to justify their optimism. And I think there is a fair bit of optimism in the fan base right now because of, like, all the young guys we're talking about on the back end. And then you look at the Fords, you know, Doc and, and Strom and Debrinkit and all these kids out there. And Kane is still great. And Taves is still very, very good. And, you know, there's, there's, there's some hope there. But there's this frustration, I think. More, more than anything, fans are frustrated because it's just been five years of nothing. They have accomplished five uh, five years of just jack squat with this Hall of Fame core that they have, and it just feels like wasted years. So I, I don't think that it's necessarily pessimism as it is just general frustration and just kind of looking for someone to blame, and that's someone, of course, being Stan Bowman.
0: Yeah, I, I think if they had... I, yeah, I feel like these are all the same conversations we had, but it it's it's been it's been that the, the arrow has gone so many different ways, and the direction of what they've wanted to do has been here and there, and um, and and it looks now that they've embraced the youth movement, but some of it was because of like last off season it wasn't going to be youth movement, you know, it was bringing in right. Shaw and Mada and Dahan and the last two uh, off seasons, yeah, and so it's um and it's sort of diverted that way. So it's probably the right path that they've been, should have been taking for some years now. And you you need Mitchell and and Boquist and doc and all these guys to be your future. And it's, um, and I think it's, it's been hard for the Blackhawks to admit that because you're, you're, you're still, you know, you still want Taves and Kane and Keith and all those guys to be engaged and still thinking they're going to win be winning now where, uh, But now it's like, you know, five years later, it's like just, you know, maybe after the Nashville series, it was, it should have been hitting pause and trying to figure out, you know, is this the best path? Like, are we, is just replacing Panarin and Jarmilson going to lead us down to a different route? And and, and obviously we can all say this in hindsight, but, um, yeah, and like you said, I think that's where the greatest frustration now is that it's, you've seen, Uh, you've seen the Blackhawks go about a different ways of trying to rebuild this and and now five years later they don't seem to be that much further ahead than they were after, um, you know, after 16, 17 seasons where, um, you know, they they haven't won series and certainly now where, you know, they're probably headed, uh, you know, whether the season resumes or not, whether, you know, probably not going to be making the playoffs again.
1: We asked about individual confidence in, you know, the Blackhawks brass management and coaching. Uh, Rocky generally got a pass. Understandable, mm-hmm. especially if you've lived through his dad's era. Uh, some frustration in his uh, his loyalty, his determination to keep McDonough and Bowman employed. I mean, ultimately, if Rocky wanted a clean house, he does have that power. He doesn't really meddle in hockey operations. He's not a, a Jerry Jones-type owner, but he does have that authority. So there's some people that are kind of mad that he's just letting McDonough stay the course. Uh, McDonough his numbers were down a little bit Most of the people gave him a 3 or a 2 or a 4 So the people are again frustrated with his loyalty to Bowman I mean everything comes back to, to Stan Bowman with this There's so much anger and frustration with Bowman among the fan base. I mean you see it on Twitter every day um, So I think a lot of it just kind of ties to that McDonough's not firing Stan Bowman so I'm angry at him uh, I think there's some I don't know if there's maybe some confusion or a um, of what John McDonough's job actually is. John McDonough's job is to make money for Rocky Wurtz, and Rocky Wurtz is making a lot of money on the Blackhawks still. So in that regard, John McDonough is doing a very good job. Yeah. Uh, he d- d- How much he actually, how much say he has in hockey operations, it depends on who you talk to. There's some people that think he's the puppet master pulling all the strings. There's some people that say he's just kind of, you know, is a, is a rubber stamp for whatever Stan wants to do. Uh, I've heard from smart people in the know both ways. I'm sure he has some say in it. I don't think he's the puppet master. So, uh, you can, you can lay some of this at his feet too. There's a, there's that, you know, business side of things where, you know, we saw this with the bulls for 15 years, or whatever it is, where better to be mediocre and selling out than to rebuild and actually build towards a championship because you're still making money if you're mediocre and selling out. um, Stan did not fare very well. It was 28% gave him a 1, 35% gave him a 2, 25% gave him a 3, 8% gave him a 4 and only 2% gave him a 5. Um I think that's just where the fans are directing their ire right now. They're blaming Stan Bowman for this.
0: Yeah, no, I it's I mean it's what we hear every day and um and now now it's up to him, right? Like it's you know, Rocky's already in his faith behind him he's coming back everyone's coming back in the front office he said so it's now up to stan bowman you know it's what happens next season are are they um can they springboard off of this youth movement through doc and Bocus, all those guys take the next step and is there a path to success in, in the short term because at some point at some point this is all gonna you know that loyalty and all that faith and at some point something comes to a head so um if, if he's giving you know he's obviously beginning be, he's getting another season here so we'll see and then now it's up to Bowman and um, I think this season is really unique where last offseason you had a lot of money and he went out and spent it and uh, now you have some limited cash and you know in some tougher times especially with what you know maybe the cap ceiling not moving and uh, and now you you are going to have two goalies that are you know worth 11 million dollars and you got to sign who your number one is and Crawford and, and figuring out the you know how to balance bringing Kubalik and you know re-signing Strom so I, I think even now like this is um you know like as much as you have some of those young pieces in place like th- this offseason is huge for what the Blackhawks uh you're going to look like next season and uh at some point you know I know Bowman said he's trying to balance you know the present and the long term but um I, it seems like the president's gonna have to mean you know mean a lot more at some point because uh, it's been a long time and at some point there has to be proven results for and and this is kind of segue into Colleton too is that you know after um you know after after Quinville was fired you know I I think it was probably unfair to put the expectations the Blackhawks could still make the playoffs and they made a push for it despite that and you know even this season you know it was um i guess you can put this you, you can put the start of the season on colliton and th- them failing where that was uh you know this the start of the season was so important but and then they have through the injuries and you know you look at all the entry level contracts and um you know this next season of uh, obviously colliton's coming back too that it's it's there's more weight on him too that the blackhawks um you know he the blackhawks bowman colliton all these people they need to uh, there has to be some success shown at some point because right now it's 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 been very it's been very even, uh, you know. Since they fired Quinville, it doesn't seem like the Blackhawks have really taken a step forward much in the last few years.
1: The Bowman question was another one where I was surprised at the the variety in the comments. I was expecting it just to be a lot of hashtag fire stands, and it wasn't that. There was a lot of people that kind of understand it. It's tough to evaluate Stan because there's there's three fundamental aspects to his job. There's the draft. There's recruiting, and there's roster management. Draft, he is, you know, you could, is it Mark Kelly? He's the one ultimately making the decision, though. It, 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 the draft has been very good. The Blackhawks have drafted very well, particularly with their high picks. They've hit on almost every first-round pick and some second-round picks, which is really hard to do in the NHL. The second is European scouting. And again, is that the scouting department's work? Yeah, but Stan's the one who has to ultimately reel these guys in. And going back to you know Gustafson and Panarin and Cahoon and Kubalik, uh, they and Camp, they've had, they've had a lot of success bringing in NHL talent from Europe. That's a huge part of the game because you're bringing these guys in on cheap contracts, and that's how you keep winning. The roster management has been poor. It's been undeniably poor the last few years. The off-seasons have been bad. I mean, you go back to the the Kunitz-Brandon-Manning offseason, Like, what was that supposed to do for this team? It's besides get Joel Quenville fired. And you go back to last year, and, you know, Robin Leonard's signing was great. But, you know, the other ones haven't really panned out. He went and got two injury-prone guys who were good, but both got injured, which a lot of people, you know, could see coming. So it's really hard to evaluate Stan and Hall and just say he's garbage. He's not a garbage GM because he's done so many good things. But his roster management and his contract negotiating, that's been a little dicey over the years. So there's a, there, there's both sides to it, and I see it. And I, I've written this before. I you could totally I could totally justify firing Stan Bowman right now, and I can totally justify keeping him another year. And 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 I'm kind of in the same boat with Colleton where. I don't know what we have in Jeremy Colleton yet. You know, the first year he was put in an impossible situation, like you said, where the Blackhawks dropped him in midseason, said, replace this legend, take this veteran, star laden team, and do something with them. And oh, by the way, we say they're a playoff team. And then last year he lost several key players to long term injuries. Um, granted, they weren't playing that well when they had those guys, they actually played better after it. But it's it's tough to evaluate him. This is the This is Jeremy Collinson's make or break year. If the Blackhawks are bad this year, Jeremy Collinson's not going to be the coach anymore. And frankly, if Collinson's not going to be the coach anymore, then Stan Bowman's not going to get another chance to hire another GM or another coach because he's going to be out too. This is a make or break year. If you go a fourth straight year without the playoffs, you don't get another chance. So yeah. this is a make or break year for both Bowman and Colleton. Um, And you know it'll be interesting because it might not be a normal regular season. It might not start till November for all we know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, there's so many different variables and, um, yeah, even the Mitchell contract was so interesting where it's, it's, you know, trying to, it's like, is it really signed or is it a verbal
1: agreement? What is that exactly?
0: Yeah. It sounds like a verbal agreement that if it comes back, then he's going to sign If not, they'll sign for next season. So, um and and I imagine that's where they stand with a lot of these negotiations with Kubelik and Strom too, is just, uh, where, where's the cap at? Where's, you know, like it's. Uh, there's so many questions, and, you know, the more I've thought about it, the goalie thing seems so important, you know, like, they, they expect to be better defensively, but this year, you had the, you had that protective netting of Leonard and Crawford, and now, like, you don't even know if Crawford's coming back, and, and, you know, Delio has a chance, but there's certainly no proven record there, you know, I just, uh, if it's not Crawford, and then you go on the you go on the UFA routes or wherever it just yeah, there's so many variables to that where I, I keep on, the obviously important to the Blackhawks future, but for, for even the short term, like you need to figure out whether it's Crawford or, or who that number one's going to be.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's everything hinges on that, right? Cause if you don't resign Crawford, all of a sudden you have some cap flexibility, but if you do resign them, you might have some tough decisions to make elsewhere. They have to know, you know, I think Crawford, I talked to him several times about this over the course of the year. He really wants to come back. He doesn't want to start over at 35 years old. He's been with the organization as long as Keith and Stebrook have. I mean, that's how long he's been a member of the Blackhawks organization. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He's got a home here, and this is is where he wants to finish his career. I think he could certainly be signed at a reasonable amount because of that. If anyone's going to give you the quote-unquote hometown discount, it's Crawford because he knows he'll be the number one guy because Leonard's not there anymore. And he, you know he doesn't want to go anywhere. So, but you have to decide that because every other decision you make hinges on that. Like, yeah. if you don't re-sign Crawford and you're going with a Delia Lankinen or Delia random free agent mediocre guy, then I mean, in my mind, you're basically punting on this season. And that's no offense to Colin Delia, but you can't expect him to walk in and start 57 games and be great this year. That's not realistic. Right. Yeah. So
0: every decision you make hinges on that goaltending one. Uh, we asked about different players and confidence in them, uh, whether kind of holding up their, their roles and Taves still being the number one center and Kane, you know, still keeping up with production. And, uh, obviously people are really confident in Kane. Most people, you know, Taves is uh number us see, Most people voted a four on Taves. Uh, how much, uh, how confident people are becoming stars? We asked about Kirby, Doc and Boquist. More people seem to be confident about Doc where he got mostly fours. Uh, a little bit less about Boquist, where he was uh, a three. Um, but I, I think the season certainly gave people a little bit more optimism on both those players.
1: Absolutely. And, 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 it, and it ties into the Doc question, ties into the Taves question, because if you think Doc's going to be a star, then ideally three years from now, Jonathan Taves is the world's greatest third line center. I mean, that's what you want to have happen, right? We used to talk about that with Marion Hossa but before the skin condition became public. We thought, well, the last couple of years of his career, he's going to be the best checking line winger in the history of the game. And that's what you want with Taves is if Doc's your number one and Strom can be your number two, if you could put Taves in that lockdown mode on third in your third line, but who can still produce and still play on the power play and still score... Man, that's what a weapon that is to have Jonathan Taves as your third line center. That's what they want. Thirty-four year old Jonathan Taves has to be your third line center. You don't want him to still be your number one center. He's not Sidney Crosby. He doesn't score at that rate. So you need him you need him to pass the torch. So you need twenty two year old Kirby Doc to be ahead of thirty-five year old Jonathan Taves. That's the long term objective here.
0: Yeah. Uh we, we this one was sort of surprising to me we asked how people expected Prince Sieber to play next season and I just knowing who Brent Seabrook is and how hard he's going to fight and how hard he's going to train and all these things. Like, I, I don't know what he's going to play like, you know, when he returns, but I, I'd be shocked if he's not out there for training camp and, and pushing it and doing whatever he can to get back on the ice and uh, showing that he can play still. You know, I, I think his ego is a little bit bruised here and, and, I um he just he's not the type of guy who quits. So I mean maybe eventually if he can't play at a certain level or just whatever, something comes to a head. But I, I just I'd be shocked if he's not trying to push to play next season.
1: Yeah, Brent Seabrook's not going out like this. There's no way he's just gonna go quietly and spend the next four years on the beach collecting L T I R money. He's just it's just not who he is. Uh, I, I think I think you're right. He he he's a very proud guy. And I don't think he likes being thought of as this albatross of a contract and you know washed up player. I think he's very motivated to come back and show that he can still play in the NHL. I have a story up. Um, this is coming out Monday morning. The uh, on Brent Seabrook that I, I reported a few weeks before the uh, season shutdown. I was it was it was supposed to run the week that the that the, that the league shut down and never did. Uh, so it's a little out of place now, but it still works about how just how important he is to the guys in the room. And I know a lot of people roll their eyes at that, but I guarantee you, while... You know, 90% of the fan base might be hoping he never wears a Blackhawks uniform again and that he gets bought out some kind of compliance buyout. Every single person in that locker room is hoping against hope that he comes back. Uh, he's still very important to this team uh, and, and you never know. I mean, they're, they're, you know, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, they all told me they think that he's going to be rejuvenated by this. You take 10 months off, you get your hips cleaned up, and he's not, you know, he can regain that half a step that he's lost. I mean, he was never a burner. He was never a physical freak of nature. That was never his game. If he can just keep up, he's smart enough to be in the right position. He's still got the big slap shot. He can still be a productive player in this league. Uh, that's the hope. That's what everyone's clinging to. And I don't know if he's going to be ready in October, if the league starts in October, but there's no way that he's done. There's no way that at age thirty four Brent Seabrook's career is over. i g I'm yeah. sure of that.
0: Uh this is one oh, of the in- <laughs> this was I think was one of the interesting questions we asked was about the main reason why the Blackhawks have not won a playoff series since fifteen and uh majority of the people said the general managing and the other price uh the second dirty answer was the price of um of winning three to- three cups and it was it was I, I thought it was surprising that people didn't vote more on the coaching or even Bad luck, which would, would fall on in injuries and those sort of stuff. But I, you know, I, I think it again it shows where people's uh, where people are pointing the fingers at with this.
1: Yeah, and I mean honestly, I mean you go back to 2016 and they could have won the cup that year. They lost in Game Seven on the road to St. Louis by one goal, and Brent Seabrook hit a double post shot with like three minutes to go. I mean, if they win that series, who the hell knows with that team that they might have gone deep again. And then in twenty seventeen they ran into that Nashville buzzsaw and the offense dropped out. I don't know if that qualifies as bad luck. I don't think it was really bad coaching. It was just kind of unfortunate timing. Uh the last three years, yeah, I mean, that's roster construction. That is the price of of, of winning three cups. There's a lingering effect of that on the cap and on players' bodies. Um, I don't yeah, I don't I don't think anyone really thinks that the Blackhawks are bad because of the coaching or because of you know, luck. It's it's the way the roster has been built, and again, that's why everyone's mad at Stan Bowman. That's why he is. You know, if you're a fan right now, you got to fixate your ire on somebody, and it's, you know, it's mostly been on Stan Bowman, fair or not.
0: And the other, I think, other interesting question was whether people would be okay for a full rebu- full rebuild, uh, and didn't compete for another cup in five years. And uh, majority of people, it looks like almost sixty percent said. No, that's not what they want. Yeah, I was (laughs)
1: surprised by that. I thought that's what everybody wants.
0: And maybe it's when you add five years onto it. It's like where they they just feel like they've already been going through this for three years, and uh, yeah, just attack on another five. And um, I don't know what the realistic timeline is. And that was I I think that was the frustration with some fans' frustration from Bowman too is when you know, asked like, this is the plan, but when does the plan work? And he basically wasn't sure, you know, like it's, um, and I think that's, at this point, I, I, you know, the Blackhawks have been so dead set on that they were going to make the playoffs last year and this year. And now to say that, well, I'm not sure when the plan comes together, like there's just, that uncertainty, I think frustrates a lot of fans where, you know, that they've, been told to be patient because Yoki Haru and all these guys were headed and then you see some of those shipped out and then um you know it's still kind of saying well well you know we need these guys to come up to speed and at some point you um either they do or they don't and you know i feel like this season was finally the first time when you know that they really put multiple guys uh you know younger guys into key roles and start seeing them expand but um yeah i, I think people are they feel like they've been patient, even though that's sort of not the message right. that's been sent. You know,
1: what I love about that question is two thousand and fifty-seven people answered it. One person skipped it. Like, what was that person just like <laughs> staring at? I, I
0: can't decide. I want them
1: to rebuild, but I don't want to wait. I can't handle it. One person. One person skipped that question.
0: Uh, I, I was wants-
1: I, I, I I I threw this question in there. I was interested about you know if 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 hockey. Did return in some capacity this summer, which for the record, it's not going to happen. But if it did, would you be comfortable attending a game at a crowded United Center? And more people said no. 55% of people said no. I was oddly heartened by that. Like, all right, maybe we're taking this seriously after all. Because I can't imagine, you know, I, I would go because it's my job. But I'm sure that we would be kind of spread out pretty well in the press box and away from the fans. I can't imagine sitting in like a crowded 300 section with that many people right now. That like in July, like there's no way I'll be ready for that in July.
0: Yeah, luckily you and I don't sit next to each other, so
1: we don't. I've always wondered about that. Like you're still uh, you like that second row. I'm a front row guy. Come on.
0: Well, why, why why should you should have joined me? If anything, you were joining the athletic. I wasn't joining. The that is cars. true. Uh-huh. That is
1: true. They 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 basically moved me down one seat and then gave Ben Pope my old seat.
0: <laughs> Jesse Rogers used to sit when I first got on with ESPN. He used to sit in the corner, like there was like this small spot, like it was. It was crunched in there, and Jesse just liked it, and then I, yeah, I wasn't comfortable there, and then I couldn't. I, I don't know. Don't you like? Don't the people stand up, and you can't see all the. Time? See, that's that's
1: why you know, like 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 the Tribune and uh, NBC Sports Chicago and NHL dot They all sit in that second row with you because they because of that reason. They're worried about people standing up. I can literally count like in the like it, it's like game six of the twenty fifteen Stanley Cup Final for the last minute. Yeah, people were standing up in front of me, but yeah, most of the time it's you, you it's, sort of it's, needed it's to see fire. that one though though. I stood up too. It wasn't that hard. I, have, my I, I have working then. knees.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, screw you. <laughs> um, the Chelsea Dagger question was interesting. I actually, I honestly thought more people would be uh, sick of the song, but I am wrong. Um, I
1: think there's a I think that you know it's it's one of those things that's so ingrained in this era of Blackhawks hockey. And as long as Taves and Kane and Keith are on the team, it's that era, even if they're not winning. I think that once they all retire, that's when you retire that song.
0: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the uh, three cops and people thought the 13 team was the best of the three, uh, followed by 2010 and then the 15 team, of course. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do any other questions stand out to you?
1: I did. I, I forgot. To, I'm such an idiot. I, you know, I was the one who threw this into the system, and I forgot to include the last question, which was when did you become a Blackhawks fan, which was fascinating oh. to me. <laughs> Because uh, I'm an idiot and I left it out. I tweeted it out later. But um, it was 20% are from the Hull and Makita days. 46% are from the Savard Ronick era, which was surprising to me. That's like people our age, basically. You know, if you're 40 years old right now, that's probably when you became a fan during like EA Sports NHL 94 era. Um, 25% were from the 2008 to 2010. They're the quote-unquote bandwagon fans, which are obviously not real bandwagon fans because they're still here. Um, only five percent during the 2013 Cup run. I would have thought that the uh the the streak, the 21-0 and three streak, might have roped in some more people. And four uh, percent of the poor souls, 79 poor souls, uh, were from the last five years, and that's a hearty bunch. If you come in in the last five years and you're still in it, nobody can call you a bandwagon fan. It
0: was funny how I, I think when we did the the numbers thing, how people were uh they they felt like there were certain players like Amante and stuff where they came in at different eras too, or. Uh, just mentioning that they that we missed some eras where that that we had people had come into, but I, I think we got most of the key yeah, like ones.
1: Yeah, post ronic pre Taves and Kane. People wanted like there was there's like like millennials were left out of this. I think because you know if, if Amonti or Eric Dage was your guy, then you're probably upset at us.
0: Yes. Um, what you got the Seabrook piece this week? We got the uh, the tracking story. We got a few um,
1: special things up our sleeves coming up. Uh, some. We're still, we're still, ha- we're we? still turning out the hashtag. not remind
0: me what those special things are. <laughs> not <laughs> like big special things, but little special things. <laughs> special things. Um, yeah, it seemed like people like the the guests uh, on the podcast, so maybe we can do that more often. And um, yeah, we'll be at this. Uh, at some point, we're gonna do the our favorite TV shows too, right?
1: Oh yeah, we kept talking about that. yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I, uh, I told you this, uh, I think we, I don't know if we talked this week, but I, I told you I've, I've enjoyed the Pearl Jam album, so I am enjoying that. Um, Attaboy. I, I need to listen, watch Young Frankenstein still. It's on my list. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you, uh, you got anything else?
1: I don't. No. <laughs> no
0: neither do I. Uh, we'll I'm stay bored. safe. Yeah. <laughs> stay safe and well, and, uh, we'll, uh. Too. Mark too Lass- From Mark Lazarus Lass- Lass- I'm Scott Powers And this is Laz and Powers talking
2: Just a little bit Won't you let me try